from Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swalwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. <laughs> Uh, good morning, listener. Uh, welcome, morning. welcome to the uh, welcome, welcome to the championship. How to decorate your house? Uh, do yes. the garden nicely in winter. Show. We're not talking. Fo- we're not talking football this morning. It's a game. I am. It's a, no, come on. It's a game for ruffians. Juniors four, uh, Chelsea one. The comeback of Chelsea's. Uh, it should have been sixteenth. Honestly, darling, put that one in. Chelsea, I, I, happy days, lads. Happy days. Talk football all day. Well, two hours dedicated to the black and whites this morning. Oh dear. Oh dear. Well, thankfully, we're going to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> well, with talk about championship defeats. Oh, uh, well, we're going to talk. Awful. We can talk about the great El Tel today, lads. Yeah, because, we can. Uh, yeah, he passed I in agree. the weekend, and um, what a great what a man. top top what a top top manager he was. We can talk about that. So then, yeah. that'll take you out of some of your misery, lads. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, and do you know what it's else we've got that's going to cheer us all up? What's mm. that? Do, do you know what's back? Do you know what it is? It's, well, it's back it's by zero tell. demand. It's what the fact? Yes, <laughs> it's back today. I actually it's love back. it. It's my favourite. Yes, <laughs> I love it. It's better than that show and tell. <laughs> this, uh, this, 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 this. Whoa, hey, don't, you've don't, got feelings as well, right? Don't encourage him, please. It's I'm busy well. working away in the background on a version of Squid Game as well uh, for you guys. Oh, I'll tell you what. I love that. I love oh, it's calamari no. over here. I love a good squid. I love a good squid on a morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. We know that you spent half the show on the toilet, Dave. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh. There's, there's an impressive breakfast thought for everyone listening. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I can, hey, fellas, I can give you a more impressive thought this breakfast time. Uh, down in London we were, Friday night for a do, uh, spent all day Saturday walking around. 26,000 steps. Wow. Hey. You what? Wow. Over 17 you... kilometres walked. One oh, I thought wow. you were going to say, and you got the Stana stair lift up, all of them. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Give it all joke a home. Well, the stair lifts hey. are available, guys. <laughs> of course. <laughs> How did the awards go? Did you, bring home the, did you bring home the bacon? <sighs> did you win an yeah. award, Dave? Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, there weren't awards What's to be happened? dished out. There weren't awards to be dished oh. out like that. There were. It was... Uh, it, look, it's, it's my business and this TV production we do of all the motor racing in Asia. It was like the it was the end of season awards night for all the drivers and the teams who'd won things. So sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, ah, the, the, lad, the lad wasn't the lad wasn't ah. up for an award. It's an, uh, un, okay. Unless okay. you put me in a car and make me win, then I wasn't up for well, an award. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Fair, well, enough. fair enough. Yeah. I would like to see that though. What me win an award? <laughs> you, you just putting your, your your leather gloves on and kind of you know taking a gentlemanly <laughs> drive around the track with your <laughs> scarf billowing behind you. you know? Your goggles on like Mr. Toad. Leather helmet thing. <laughs> uh, the old wind up engine out the front. Love it. Son of it sounds like son of Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> <laughs> 
we've been near the knuckle a couple of times, so I don't think we're that bad on this show. Yeah. I, think, I think that's one Northeastern that we can't have on the show. Um, but we love you, Chubbs. No. We do. We love you. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, where are we going you first? You let's sort of Garnacho's goal? Well, you, you want to know what I've got on the menu? Oh, Garnacho's goal. Oh, mate. Oh, what? I, I went mate. and sorted out because I was putting the decorations oh. up when you, when you messaged, but uh, oh my word, what a what strike. strike. I've got to ask you a question. I've got to ask you a question. Garnacho or Rooney? Ganacho. Ganacho. 100%. Rooney, he didn't shin Rooney's it. was good. Rooney's was good, but Rooney Ganacho just hit it so Rooney cleanly. Rooney shinned it. Yeah. 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 Rooney shinned it. Ganacho full connected. Like, yeah. no, no keeper saving that one. Let's face it, lads. Let's face it, lads. His was in the Manchester derby. Um, that was against Everton. Uh, and I think I can probably mm, yeah, do Yeah, good point. Everton, good point. You reckon? <laughs> oh, okay. I've been a little bit harsh, that like Steve. I'll take that bet. <laughs> wow. Me, Steve wow. Imagine scoring past Pickford. And I'll be lifting me, I'll be lifting oh, me, yeah, lifting yeah, me yeah. shirt up yeah. with a Newcastle United <laughs> motif underneath. Yeah, oh, yeah, a picture of a T-Rex on it. Ah. Yeah, hell of a goal, though. Hell of a goal. Yeah. Oh, tremendous yeah. strike. Do you want to know what else is on the menu? Because I've, I've, yes. obviously I spent hours Let's do it. I'm hungry. yesterday. <laughs> right. Uh, well, of course, we're going to talk about El Tel. We're actually going to do that before we get to the, the review of the weekend's action. I think that's uh, the, the, at least the, the, the most respect we can show the guy as well as to talk a little bit about Terry Venables. Um, we're going to do What the Fact, which is a yes. doozy again, boys. I really don't know if you're going to get this one. Uh, we're going to talk about Gary Neville's uh, comment over the weekend and I'm a bit worried about Gary I, th I think somebody needs to check on him and see if he's alright because I think he's on some sort of hallucinogenic medicine uh, he compared Trent Alexander-Arnold and his striking and passing of the ball to Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne which I think uh, is about okay. the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard in my life he's talking <laughs> about the Liverpool player as well I mean it's just downright straight so we'll have a, we'll have a little chat weird. about that because you know, we are worried about Gary um, Lewis Dunk was shown a straight red card for dissent towards Anthony Taylor and Brighton's win over Nottingham Forest can't be shown so a straight red for that. dissent well apparently it is Apparently it is, and this is uh, really? this is quite a neat segue. This it's a story that broke in the Daily Mail yesterday uh, by a northeast based writer Kieran Gill, who's actually tomorrow's special guest. Um, yeah, so apparently the straight red was given for dissent. Uh, it was foul and abusive and quite personal that's it. stuff. That well, that's, that doesn't say. class as dissent. You see, it's it's abusive, insulting, and offensive language. Ah, it's different. So it's so a so different so category. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the reason two yellows separate. And the reason it why was two yellows in in like matter of seconds. All oh, right, so it was two yellows. He sent so, off for a second. So he was shown a yellow, yellow okay. and then before the referee sent the, and then he got sent off like a matter of seconds later for a second yellow. Yeah, that's because yeah. he wouldn't shut up. Shunt The second yellow exactly, wasn't yeah. a yellow. The yeah. saying it was a straight yeah, red. It was right. a red. It was straight red. Well, yeah, Alex, exactly, Alex, yeah. so yeah. I can I yeah. can explain the difference and, and why there is so a we'll difference. So we'll have a we'll have a little chat about that. We'll we'll get we'll let Dave get his rule book out and dust that off. Yeah, yeah. And open it like a book of spells in Hogwarts. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, wasted talent as well. I uh, I saw Thanks, a great man. video over the weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great video over the weekend where it was, uh, it was Rio Ferdinand talking to Ravel Morrison. Uh, now, Ravel Morrison, Alex Ferguson hailed him as better than Wayne Rooney as a teenager. But, you know, ultimately, I think he had a bit of a bit of a dodgy background, uh, a bit of a harsh upbringing, and that kind of got the better of him. So we're going to talk a little bit about wasted talents because all three big northeast clubs have had those in, in abundance over the years as well. Uh, yeah, 
And and then I guess we'd best start with some headlines first, though, shouldn't we? Okay, we'll do this one then. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. I don't want to do it this morning. That's your headlines. I'm just kidding. I have written some stuff. Oh, Borough fans, what happened on the weekend? Middlesbrough boss Michael Carrick is demanding that his players find consistency after a bad result against Bristol City on the weekend. Middlesbrough had just held the league leaders Leicester to a 1-0 win to then, albeit after an international break, find themselves losing 3-2. The result wasn't the only thing for concern as well. Engel limped off in what looked to be a bad knee injury after falling awkwardly late in the second half. But lucky for Borough, in the, the turnaround in the championship is always quick one, and Borough will have a midweek game at home to Preston to try and shape their defence into something worthy of promotion. And last week's international break was also an opportunity for Nottingham Forest to send scouts to watch young Hayden Hackney. Hayden, who recently switched allegiance from Scotland to England, has been attracting more and more attention with his constant performances for both Borough and the England under-21s. Now, like earlier in the season, it seems Forest are keen to ramp up their interest going into the January window. And finally, tributes have flooded in from across the northeast following the news that retired footballer and former Middlesbrough head coach Terry Venables has passed away at the age of 80. The Dagenham-born player rose to the global stage in the 60s and 70s before managing uh, his managing career started in 1976, which led him to be joint head coach at Borough with Brian Robson for the 2000-2001 season. El Tell, as he was commonly referred to, will be greatly missed not only in the Northeast, but also across the nation for his charismatic and tactically innovative English football brain, which is national, uh, his national taking his national team to the European Championship semi-finals in 1996 after winning trophies at club level with Barcelona and Tottenham and also helping my country Australia grow as a football nation in the stint as their manager as well. El Tell, you rest in peace, you beautiful, beautiful human being. Thank you for what you did for our club, for our country and for our game. That is your Borough Headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mag's News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Injury stricken. Newcastle United defied the odds again at the weekend as they hit Chelsea for four at St James's Park. Goals from Isaac Lascelles, Gordon and Joe Linton saw the Magpies climb to sixth in the table. Co-owner Mirda Gadushi called for more support in the stadium from fans in a bizarre post-match tweet. The tweet reached two million people and was greeted with a mixed reaction from two fans around the world. Fans travelling to France today for the PSG Champions League match on Tuesday night and travel plans thrown into chaos with the Eurostar strike announced last night and people are advised not to travel. Fans are advised to contact their booking agent for a refund or to rearrange. And finally, Newcastle United under-18s fail to progress in the Premier League Cup, losing 5-1 at Liverpool with Brian grabbing the consolation goal. That's your Newcastle United headlines on Monday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. I won't say good morning, Sunderland fans. We'll just say morning. Speaking to the Newcastle Chronicle right after Saturday's defeat at Plymouth, Tony Mowbray said aside, need to be more ruthless in front of goal. Well, duh. We work with strikers every day. I think they had two shots on target and scored both of them. I was a bit disappointed with the first half that we didn't get the intensity that we should have. You have to put the ball in the net. It didn't quite happen for us. We hit the post a couple of times, didn't make the keeper work enough, but we got in lots of amazing positions in the box but didn't find the space or the pass or the combination. I'm trying not to be harsh on them, but it is frustrating. The fans made a long trip to come here today and we have to find a way to put the ball in the net. We have to be more ruthless. They are young players, but they are footballers. They have to, he said it again, they have to be more ruthless. 
they have to understand we are all being judged. There was a familiar face in the Plymouth lineup as former Sunderland Academy player Bally Mumba started for the hosts. The 22-year-old almost added a third goal for Plymouth in the second half, but was given a good reception from Sunderland fans as he walked off the pitch. Mumba even went over to the away end to chat with some of the Black Cat supporters after the game. Mumba wasn't the only ex-Sunderland player in Plymouth's squad, as former Black Cat's lone Brendan Galloway came off the bench for the hosts in the 88th minute. The 27-year-old who was on loan at Sunderland during their dismal 2017-18 campaign was making his first appearance of the season after returning from an injury. And finally, despite the weekend's miserable defeat, the Black Caps will be able to rely on the unwavering support of the stadium-alike faithful when they return to Wearside with a home game against Huddersfield Town this Wednesday night. It may not come as much of a surprise that Sunderland have the largest average attendance in the Championship this season. On average, according to the website Transfer Market, 42,344 have attended the stadium alike for home matches this season. Imagine if we actually had a little bit of success. And there's your morning headlines. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the red, the cat and the tan. So, well, there were some headlines, go, weren't they? They were. Whew, <laughs> I tell you. Can we start with Eltel? Start with Eltel. Yeah, this yeah, one absolutely. Hit home for me, gonna, uh, obviously. Um, actually, you know, you know, obviously he uh, worked with Brian Robson uh, in the 2000-2001 season, uh, joint head coach at Middlesbrough, uh, and pretty much turned us into the club that would see, you know, staying us in the Premier League for the next, you know, thirteen odd seasons, and. He was an amazing man. I used to love, uh, you know, listening to him talk because his brain was just so tactical. And I love, I've always said that I love the tactical side of football and the way that, that that someone like him can come up with a game plan tactically. And not only did he come in and change my club for the borough, for the good and with Brian Robson and set us up, but for Australia, he really put us on the map. So in 97, he came in for a, for a 12 month stint as our manager and we went to our first Confederations Cup in which we f- we lost the final to Brazil uh, that year, but we went to the you know we were runners up. Now prior to '97, I can't uh, not, still to this day we struggle so much with football in this in this country. It is one of I would say it's the fourth to fifth love sport within our country behind AFL, NRL, cricket, even union. I would have to say now football was put on the map even more so because of what Venables did or, uh, you know, Eltel did for our country in that 97, going to a Confederations Cup to face Brazil, we were like, I mean, I was, you know, I was only nine at the time, but I remember sitting there going, oh my goodness, like, it was incredible. And he, he just helped the Socceroos that they're known now as get back on the map. And he had, you know, Robbie Slaters and and, and um, Vidmars and everything like that to help him back in the day, a young Viduka as well. Uh, and he just really helped both my club and country. So it's a big, big loss. He was an amazing, tactical, charismatic person. I love listening to him. I love watching YouTube videos of him coaching and talking. And um, he was just, he was a little one of favorite of mine uh, in one of the bygone eras, I guess. And um, I'm really going to miss him. I think, you know, he's 80 years old. I still feel like that's too young in this day and age. But um, yeah, great man for both in the Middlesbrough and Australia and someone that I, um, yeah, I absolutely adored. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, something that we touched on just last week, funnily enough, um, we were talking about England games and like sort of how we, certainly myself and Dave, it, it, it kind of fallen out of love with watching the, uh, the, the, the national team. And 1996 and Euro 96 was kind of the last time I really felt we had 
anything resembling some some national pride. And you know, when we started beating some really good teams and and looking likely, but of course, El Tel was only ever given a short contract for that. The FA, in their infinite wisdom, uh, decided against uh, extending his contract when when Terry Venables was looking to do that. Um, the FA obviously uh, they were a little bit worried about some of his business dealings. Apparently, just reading over it, uh, the, uh, the 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 logs of history there, and then of course they go and point somebody like Sam Allardyce, who was about as dodgy as they get. But you know, anyway, allegedly, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> allegedly, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's not allegedly if it's caught on camera. <laughs> but one of the one of the one of the great quotes um, was from Gary Neville. I mean, as as much as he. he does waffle on from sometimes he did say without doubt the most technically gifted British coach we've ever produced uh, England certainly needed more like him and it was a real sadness when he left at the end of Euro 96 I felt it never got as good again for England as it was under him everyone's saying about this technical ability he had I mean are we talking one of the most underrated England managers of all time Steve? 100%. Um, I, you just need to see the tributes. I know they come out time and time again when we see the passing of a football great, but Terry had such a um, you know, a, a wonderful spirit. Um, technically, probably one of the, the best England managers that we've seen in our time as football supporters. Um, certainly up there with Sir Bobby Robson. Um, you know, Sir Bobby Robson gets the advantage for me because he he got to the semi-finals of the World Cup and that's I'm not diminishing the Euros but you know it, you know even in, even in world football the Euros are looking uh, looked at as secondary to, to the World Cup so so Bobby just just pips it for me as as the better manager but El Tel brought back like the the love for England again and I mean you know 1990 was special Italia 1990 Gaza's tears but if you know 1990 was Gaza's year for becoming a, an established player 96 was his, his last hurrah in an England shirt and I think we you know we can all remember um, you know that that wonderful goal against Scotland you know chipping the ball over Colin Hendry banging the ball into the the, the onion bag and then running off to do the dentist's chair I mean that was yeah. that was something that will stick with us for forever as England fans and and as equally will the, the the demolition and it was a demolition of Holland who at the time were a, yeah. a real major force in in yeah. world football and El mm-hmm. Tell you know engineered both of those uh, particular results and it was a wonderful was a wonderful occasion um, you know apart from that blasted song Three Lions um, <laughs> and, and 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 ultimately it became you know it became you know a, a party atmosphere and, and we really did think we were going to win it on our own soil and I'm I'm gutted more for for him than anything else that he that he didn't manage to achieve it but I'll point back even further in in his career to that wonderful Crystal Palace side that he that he built basically from yeah. nothing. Um, he went to Palace. Um, you know, he was a he was an assistant manager, um, an assistant coach. Sorry, and um, you know, it learnt learnt the craft if you like. But then took over at Palace, who had no money at all, and had to rely on the the kids coming through. And he just he just made the team his own, and and I think that was the very early signs of what 
what a good manager he was going to be, you know, and, and that promotion team is, you know, you go down to go down to Crystal Palace and, and ask them, you know, anyone of a certain vintage will tell you how good a team that was. And in recent years, there was a documentary made about it, which you you probably would still be able to catch on, on Sky, I think. And um, it's well worth an hour and a half of anybody's time, just showing you the, the players that benefited from that, that went on to have great careers. And, and of course, Terry Venables benefited himself as well by going on to, to, to bigger and better things, you know, ultimately the, you you know the, the the piece de resistance become an England manager, but let's not forget as well. You know how how brilliantly he did on foreign soil, and and, and of course you yeah. know the 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 journey across to Barcelona, going to a foreign land, is is sometimes you know sometimes the most difficult thing to do in football, whether you're a player or whether you're a manager. Um, but that was where he probably put the cherry on the top of his of his career, going to Barcelona, helping them win the league for the first time in years, um, and, and establishing them as a as a real force. And probably the person who, who you know set the ball rolling for the Barcelona that we then saw go on to, to dominate for you know for for a couple of decades. Um, but just he, he's you know the way that he had his team set up, the tactics that he came up with uh, were fantastic. He's his manner. We talk about we talk about managers like Arteta losing the cool on the sidelines. You know you never saw Terry Venables do that. You know he, he was he no. was he was he was you know he was he had a he had a a proper manner about him. Things, if things needed to be said, then you know he'd probably say them in the dressing room. I'm sure he could lose his temper like the next man. But you know, emotional times. The photograph that's probably doing the rounds the most on social media is him consoling Gareth Southgate after that penalty. And you know, you can see the emotion in his eyes as he as he tries to absorb the pain that Southgate's emitting from 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 missing it. You know, yeah. knowing that all he's got all he's got to look forward to in the next couple of months has been asked to do a pizza advert. He's he's basically <laughs> you know he's standing there looking you know looking you know <clears throat> gutted obviously for himself, but you know just trying to trying to help the player through and. So yeah. many great tributes, you know, some wonderful tributes from, um, you know, from players and, and managers alike, and he, he will be missed. And he was a good chanter as well, lads. He liked to get up and sing. Um, some great, great footage of him getting up and belting out a few of his classics. He, when he walked away from football, he, you know, he, he was one of these people who invested his money wisely. He had a wonderful hotel, which is still in operation today, um, which, mm. um, which he, he took a lot of time. Well, he spent a lot of time there and. In recent years, you know, he, he was more of a recluse, preferring to spend time with his family, etc. But Alan Shearer managed to get out there. It was a documentary I helped Alan Shearer with, which was a, a look back on that Euro 96 squad. And um, there was a couple of people who, who, he, who he needed to get on board with the documentary, including Gaza. But um, Alan had kept in touch with Terry Venables and went out to, to visit him at his hotel. And it was, uh, it's fascinating. It was, it was great to see. And he had lots of memories, lots of, you know, lots of respect for, uh, lots of respect for the players. And, um, you know, it was, it was mutual. I think my favourite photograph was the one that David Beckham put out yesterday. And I don't know whether you guys had seen it, but um, he'd, of course, met, Terry in, in Barcelona uh, as a child and also whilst he was training at Tottenham um, at the age of nine and he's put this wonderful photograph out on his Instagram um, of him age nine with his TSB uh, bank skills final mm -hmm. t-shirt on standing next to El Tell and who would have thought years later he would have ended up getting to know him and playing for him but uh, yeah um, you know sad sad day um, for, for football um, in the words of many of us uh, when, when you hear of the news of this he had a good innings eight years of age um is you know he, he, he's lived a life and he leaves uh, you know he leaves a hell of a uh, you know a reputation and and you know he leaves a, a hell of a lot of good memories behind him and uh you know hope he rests in peace
Absolutely, I mean, oh, really well said. I mean, the, the the thing that always strikes me about about Venables and why he was so much better than a, a lot, if not every manager that followed him, was was his relationship with the players. And I remember before Euro '96, the press were, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of trouble. The whole thing with the dentist chair was because uh, the England players were caught on a night out. Uh, before the tournament, they were all, you know, lashed up to the nines as 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 they used to be back in them days. And and Venables, instead of sort of condemning the players, he he, he brought them together and he actually attacked the press uh, and and called the the English press traitors for printing the pictures and and printing the story as well, which was uh, unique. You probably wouldn't last five minutes in a job if you did that now, like. But uh, that that was the, the the standard of the man, like, and he's yeah, like like you both said, lads. I think he'll be a uh, massively massively missed. So, R.I.P. I'll tell. We might we might have a little song from him later on because he he did record some absolute belters, Steve. You're right. What a voice. Bit of a oh, crew, money. Got one lined up. <laughs> we've, got, we've, got, yep. we've got one lined up. Don't worry. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Well, we'll, uh, well, we'll we'll crash on for now. We'll hear from Eltel later on, no doubt. Um, but now, obviously, there's a different kind of music you need to find, Dave. No. What, elbow? <laughs> he just sniffed down the microphone at it in oh, disgust. Oh, that was more. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. I you, do you know what? I genuinely thought you were switching subjects onto the championship performances. That's why. No, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll, no, we'll do the first clue of what the fact, and then we'll, uh, then we'll yes. get on to the, uh, the, the post-mortem. All right, then. And, uh, yeah, and no. is, it, is it the usual uh, children singing, or is it the piano, mate? No. It's the piano <laughs> we want. No children singing, thank you. Oh. Good morning. Oh, here we go. So we have four clues for you. This is what the fact. I'm going to give you four clues. You have to guess what the fact is. Mario Balotelli. Yes, it's called what the fact. It's not Mario Balotelli. It will never be Mario Balotelli. I'm my answers. <laughs> I bet it will. I bet it will. Or one will week. You'll, you'll pick one one week just to throw us a curveball. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, clue number one. This one-off feat happened over ten days in 2013. This one-off feat happened over 10 days in 2013. Dave went to the bar. Interesting. Oh. It's, ne- it's never happened, Steve. It's that never was, happened. That's below the belt. <laughs> that's where your wallet is. Very, very, very much below the belt. <laughs> Okay, this one off feet. Yeah. This one off feet happened over ten over days. Ten days in twenty thirteen. And it's football related. Oh yes. Okay. Oh, I love those strings. Sunderland remained unbeaten. <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Didn't like that, did he? Oh, yeah. Got got feelings as well, you know. Oh. <laughs> The weekend was bad enough. We don't need you lot rubbing it in. Oh, I told you you're gonna you're gonna geez. end the weekend in the bottom half, and you just managed to escape it. Yeah. I've got a question. I've got a question for both you and Rye. Do either yeah. you, do either you feel this weekend has revealed enough to suggest you might not make the playoffs? Yeah. Yes. The, uh, defensive. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. I'm feeling yeah. the same as well yeah. for the Borough. We yeah. are, we are going to start with Steve though, because yeah. I, I think after that, I can only call it a demolition. I predicted Chelsea to win that. I predicted Chelsea 
to win that. And that should have been 6-1. I mean, Trippy hit the bar. Was it Joe Linton? I think that missed it. He, he should have buried his. He just missed uh, yeah. with his, that flying header. So it, it should have been 6-1. I don't know whether it was Chelsea were that bad. I mean, but Newcastle were, were just on another form. No, they obviously got those boys back as well, see, Steve. This, is, this, is, the narrative. this is the narrative that Ugh. the media... This is the narrative that the media come out with. If Newcastle win resoundingly, then the other teams had a bad day. There's never any credit mm. in the national media for Newcastle United. They don't like to do it. And look at the benches, first of all, on Saturday. Newcastle United's bench, an accumulative total of £15 million on the bench in players. Chelsea's bench, £230 million worth of talent. Newcastle had three goalkeepers. Yeah, this is how bad deals. the situation is. We had three goalkeepers as our subs. I mean, they, honestly, our, our our squad is so threadbare. The big shock as we trudged up to St James's Park the other day was that Willock was injured. Nobody knew about it. There was rumours going round that Anthony Gordon wasn't going to make it. And then we get there and it's, it's Willock who was out. Not even on the bench. So straight away another injury. So doom and gloom. But Steve, despite the fact, despite the fact, we managed to get a couple of players. Despite back. the the doom and gloom, I had prepared something for you for this conversation this morning. Okay, go on. Happy days. As much as as much as it hurts me to play. <laughs> But the whole but the whole thing the whole thing around Newcastle at the moment is is, is, is you know is we're playing with we're playing with kids now who who have just made their debuts. I mean take a bow at Lewis Miley first of all, who who basically sat oh. in the centre of midfield. Was that a shot or a pass? And, and, oh it was a definite pass. You could see you could that see men, and, and I love the I love the way that the, the, the senior players looked after him on on Saturday. Yeah. He, he is getting so much encouragement, and he's starting to to shine um, in that in that team. And and you know, seventeen years of age, played in the Champions League now. Now played a few Premier League games. The kid is starting to to revel in his opportunities, starting to grab his opportunity, and this. This is hopefully the first of, of, of many that, that we see come through from the academy because that's that's what Dan Ashworth was brought in to do. That's what he did at um, that's what he did at Brighton. It's why we see this conveyor belt of kids coming through at, at Brighton. But then you look at the the fact that Alex Murphy came on. He came on, obviously didn't have, have a great deal of time on the pitch, but what he did do was, you know, he, it was accomplished. He, he put the, put himself around. He lost the ball at one occasion, then he won it back. The crowd cheered him, and you could see he was buzzing off it. Young Diallo came on again, only a few minutes on the pitch. Um, and Ndweni, who came on as well, a few minutes on the pitch, had a smile as wide as the time when he came on. Um, because he was he was the the player that Spurs rejected. He's come to Newcastle and now. He's making his Premier League debut. So you know, for me to see those youngsters come on the pitch was absolutely fantastic. And it's um, you know it, the first half Newcastle played well. The second half Newcastle were un, were unplayable. And that's that's the simple fact of the matter. Chelsea came to Newcastle after two back to back games where they'd scored four goals in each game. Thought it was going to be a, a you know a rollover for them with the with the team that Newcastle put out, and you know they completely underestimated what Newcastle United were going to do to them. And the biggest disappointment for me on Saturday was the tweet that was put out by me, Dad. And I completely and I went I went out on social media. I, I try not to get involved in these 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 discussions these days on Twitter. But I went out and said that I agreed with what he said in principle. I don't agree with when he said it. What did and he what say? He was 
Well, he was trying to... What He basically put a photograph up of the team. And rather than completely misquote him, as I talk, I will bring it up on Twitter. And I will read you his exact tweet. So you lads can... You can have a, you can have a debate on this. Because this has caused an absolute storm amongst Newcastle fans. He put a photograph of the team up and said, What a team. NUFC, we need to give these guys more support in the stadium. We need to be louder. We need to be the 12th man. Now that was put out straight mm. after the game. And I'm not being funny, but from my, from my point of view, the atmosphere was no better and no worse than it has been all season and since all seater stadiums came in. Jamie Rubin then was the first one onto it, saying, what a team. And yes, we need to match the intensity of the players with our support. So this now has caused probably one of the biggest splits and divides on social media amongst Newcastle fans that I've seen for, for, for many for many a year. Um, you know, in the past it was, you know, those who felt like Ashley was actually doing a good job, those who wanted him out, like myself. And this has now caused a, an us and them kind of scenario. Who's who's a real supporter and who isn't? Um, lots of people having a pop of tourists coming to St James's Park. One post in particular on Newcastle United Supporters Club page yesterday um, was from a guy who'd walked up to the ground. I've got to be honest, when I walk to the ground, if I'm not walking along with somebody, I just keep myself to myself and get to the ground. Uh, this guy was speaking to lots of people. Um, he claimed to have spoken to 15 people. Um, some asking him where the ground was. Some people who said that um, they'd, they'd won the tickets in a raffle. Um, other people who were Americans who said um, they were looking forward to the game and sampling the atmosphere. Um, but two of them were Spurs fans, and and two of them, two of them of you know basically Newcastle fans from America coming to the first game. So the point he was trying to make was we've got day trippers coming to the ground, and this and, and people were saying it shouldn't be allowed. Well, look, wake up and smell the coffee. This is what happens when, you know, you have a takeover and people want to come. You will end up with a new new fans coming to the club. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But it's just caused an absolute storm on social media. But that's and social media I just post. think it was, it was ill-timed. It was, was ill-timed. After a 4-1 win, after a 4-1 win where the fans got behind the team... As as they always mm. do, he's just slighted um, them to come out and to come out and have a pop at the supporters. Uh, and he, for me, I just think he's. I think he hasn't read the room properly. And 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 you know, I've said that. I, I've said that. And I'm waiting to see whether he responds to this. Comes off the back of a meeting at St James's Park. We are united. Where they invited fans in for a chat, which didn't go down well either because it. You know, the questions were all vetted. They didn't allow... Um, there was a lot of people didn't get the correct login details, so people abroad didn't get a chance to get in. And then I think what's happening is as well, and again, this is, you know, this is what winds people up, but there seems to be certain supporters groups in favour and others not. And I'm just so glad I'm not involved in the politics of it anymore. I can comment about it because I do the radio show and I do my podcast, but I'm just so glad that I, I, I walked away from all of this politics stuff because this is ultimately what creates the biggest storm at Newcastle. Um, we fight amongst ourselves for no good reason and it doesn't help when, you know, someone comes out who's in a, in a, a high position at the club and, 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 and then starts having a pop of the fans for lack of support. And no matter how, you know... Well, how, that's how it how, came how, across. I mean, I hadn't well, seen... It definitely 
does. I hadn't seen Definitely. I hadn't seen the tweet, so I'm a perfect sounding board for you to have read it out verbatim and me yes. to me to. What would you absorb. have thought if Steve Gibson had come out and said well, that? And you you sang your heart out for the lads at at the stadium for for Borough and you'd won four one. How would you feel if well, Steve that, Gibson that, came I mean, out and tweeted first, that? I mean, if the first part of that is the message just came across when you read it out as the fans weren't supporting the team. That's exactly. what, that's that's 100%. That's how it came across when when you read it out verbatim. Secondly, if Gibbo, well, Gibbo wouldn't be daft enough to do that, but if Gibbo did do that, uh, I'd be very disappointed. Unless unless there was a good reason. You know, unless I was there at the game and I could see there wasn't a lot of support and even I w- and, and I was critical of the lack of support, then I'd say good on him. But if 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 the support was there and he'd come out and said that, I'd be disappointed. I really would. I'd be I'd be angry. Lads yeah, it's a it's a little I mean, bit Dean Smith, isn't it? it? Yeah, for, for me, it's it's a bit cringy when a when a, a, a chairman or owner or anybody on the board comes out with something like that. Look, the fans, and it doesn't matter which club you support, the fans pay their hard-earned money, and it's not cheap to go to football games, especially you know if you're taking family, kids, all that sort of thing. The cost of going to matches is is not cheap at all. So the fans can, for me can do whatever the hell they like in the stadium, law-abiding, of course. Um, it, it's not the ownership's place to tell supporters how to support their team. And the, Let's face it, the supporters are going to be there long after any ownership has, has been gone as well. It's, um, it's a, I think it's massively ill-timed and kind of, given the context of what what the team had just done, which has been, you know, one of the top in the sides foot. in the country 4-1, yeah, it's r- yeah. ridiculous where he's come out with. Ah, it's 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 embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm reveling in the joy yeah. of of like sort of you know the wheels potentially coming of off course, that relationship. Of course, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but but with a sensible head on, ridiculous statement for him to come out with. I don't right. get why as well. We've seen him obviously come in and and say you know he's he's obviously the new, new uh, the Newcastle co-owner, so he's said it right. But the thing that's even more bizarre is then Jamie Rubin backing it up, who's also the co-owner. So you've got two owners now essentially saying your fans aren't strong enough, you know, that you need to match the intensity of what the players are doing. Now, whether it's a bit of a stab to the trippier, you know, you know, sort of clash towards the end of, you know, before the international break, maybe they've jumped on that and it's just ill-timed. It's not needed. And then when your team's doing, so, you know, so successful, I mean, as I said, we you went into... A Chelsea game. Now Chelsea have spent billions and billions of dollars. You know they are. You know they are arguably one of the. You know into some financial hardship. They are buying. You know their success. And Newcastle have just gone and trumped them four one. Now that doesn't happen every day of the week. Uh, you know Chelsea have. You know dominated the game. You know for a long time. Newcastle have just come off about. You know a very very good result with not much of their squad available. Lewis Miley. You know what I mean coming in as as a youngster. You know there's so much more. That me as a co-owner would I would think could be focused on rather than what the fans are in how loud they are in that stadium. It just doesn't make any sense to me that you know that that you would that you would argue with that. I don't think as an owner that it's your that it's your issue of how loud or how passionate the fans are. The fans are going to be passionate and loud as they want. Maybe they've had a bad day. We saw it exact classic example in that Norwich City video of the fan coming to the game. He's had a tough day at work, whatever it may be, and he sits there and he just wants to have a beer with his mate and whatever it is. You don't need to, you know, that you, people don't need to go to the football and be as loud as they want. They can go out just for a day out. They can go out just to get away from whatever's going on in their life. They can go and just cheer on and do whatever they want. 
what I mean? Obviously, there's rules and stipulations for that. But some lads just want to go have a beer with their mates and chat. They don't, you know, they don't necessarily want to scream. Yep. Yes, it's great to see their club winning, and I'm sure they were watching that. You know what I mean? But they don't necessarily need to be. You know, you're asking them to be something possibly that they're not, and you're asking, okay, well, why were you sitting down? It's like going to a rock concert. You know what I mean? And and going, why weren't you in the mosh pit? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's just. It's just silly. And to have two owners to, to, to come and attack fans on that behalf when there was just so much else going on in, in Newcastle. I mean, you've got Champions League football, you got PSG, you know what I mean? I mean, let's have, if we're going to have that, why didn't I would have, you know, as a co-owner, I would have laughed at what Potch had to say after the game. Potch used the word very six times when he was saying he was angry. He said, he said very angry six times. Uh, it, you know, you know, it was, it was incredible. So I just think it was, it, again, I agree with the lads so much. Ill-timed. You know, Ill, Ill worded, uh, other stuff happening is just, yeah. I, I think I you'll think see, it was gross. I think you'll, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a clarification coming out today. I, I, I didn't mean to say that. What I meant to say was, I think you'll see something like that come out. He needs to. Really? I mm. thought they should have done that yesterday. Um, this was on, this was on I don't Saturday, think you will. So mm. I don't think you will. No, I don't think you will. I don't think no, you will. I don't think, think you will. Like I think you'll try and write it out. I don't think he thinks he's done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, over over two million people viewed the the, the thing, and it, it caused such a uh, such a kickoff. Um, and, and gradually, what's happening as well, you're just seeing fans having a pop at each other. You know, you're seeing certain fans. See, th- this is what I said to you at the start of the season, lads. Ticketing is is such an issue within our fan base. I get wrong on my podcast for for starting to talk about ticketing because it can dominate half an hour's worth of conversation. Mm. But it's like VAR. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. Those are the two. Oh. If you, I could do. You, you do a full, a full one-hour show talking about those two topics. But it's Wait becoming an absolute today. issue. It's becoming an absolute issue at Newcastle. Um, and and this is the thing. Peter Silverson's come in and he's doing exactly what he does uh, and what he did at Arsenal. You know, his job as um, commercial officer is to bring in commercial revenue. So he has changed certain lounges, certain areas in the ground, and you know. I saw it on a, a Twitter account called The Padded Seat. This is a guy who goes around the various stadiums and goes and sits and tries the corner. Yeah, I saw that. Now, whether he actually yeah. gets whether he gets that for free or whether he pays for it, I'm not sure. However, he's got a big following. And he went and did the rooftops at Newcastle uh, at, the, at the Chelsea game at the weekend. £650 for a seat. Got to be honest, I wouldn't pay that. Um, you know, even if it was the biggest game in my club's history, £650 to go and watch 90 minutes Ridiculous. of football. I'm sorry, like, mm. I, I've got better things to spend my money on. But I, I've got to be perfectly honest, that whole experience looks great. I wouldn't, the food wouldn't fill, wouldn't fill my fingernail, my little finger. Um, <laughs> you know, for, for what you get for 650 quid. The fact that you get a badge and a programme, well. Fans. You know, I'm not being funny, and the view is terrible because you're up in level seven. But it looked great, and I mean, the guy gave it a ten out of ten, more or less. You know, he, he said the service was good, the the entertainment was good. You had Andy Griffin, the ex-player, giving a talk in. There was a DJ on. Um, you know, all of it got a, it got a massive pat on the back. And I'll give Peter Silverstone, who apparently listens to shows like this, um, you know, to to gauge opinion. Well. Yeah, I'll give him a massive pat on the back because he's doing exactly what he was told to do. Um, however, fans, the the you know the the working class fan was driven out of the game back in the nineties and in the naughty, early noughties with his Paul Seater Stadium. So really, it's middle class fans you're talking to now. You know, beware because you know your seats could be next. You know, and some of the areas in the ground which are which you would classify as 
slightly expensive 10 years ago are going to are going to be more and more expensive because that's the price of mm. success um they want this business and that's what a football club is i hate to tell everyone they want this business to to generate its own money they don't want pif to have to keep bailing it out and put money in that's not why pif bought it they bought it for a couple of reasons but the, the, the main reason is so it becomes self-sufficient and it comes to the football you're bringing in youngsters you want to develop your own youngsters so you don't have to go out and spend ridiculous money and also you know you want your commercial revenue to go through the roof so that you can so that you can bypass financial fair play you can play the game properly and compete at the very highest level so it's the price of success unfortunately but ticketing and stuff like that where you're seeing tickets going onto these tout sites we've spoken about it before that's causing division amongst the crowd that's why these day trippers are coming people are saying um all of this though could be could be sorted out and nullified by the club if they came out that they're communicating with us, but they're not being transparent about certain issues. And I think there's a few things that need to be addressed. But it's, look, we, we could go on and on and on about it. Um, what I'll say is that the 4-1 win at the weekend was tarnished really by that tweet. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that it was it was ill-timed, to say the least. And I'm glad you guys agree with us. I'm sure we'll talk more about the game itself after eight, uh, after the news, because we do tend to focus on that then. Uh, but uh, what you've just been talking about there, Steve, it brought immediately into focus something I was reading last week. Now, we might have discussed it on the show, and correct me if we have, but it's this... Um, it's this Ah, this rumour stroke suggestion going round that the, the European Super League could come back. And it could yes. take your real big spenders out yeah. of the Premier League. Yeah. It could take Manchester United, Liverpool, yeah. Arsenal. Newcastle was mentioned in there now, uh, out of, of the Premier League. So the Premier League becomes the top league in England, minus those European giants. Um, how would you feel about that if Newcastle were dragged out of the Premier League and then... Week in, week out, it was Juventus, Barcelona, etc. that you were playing. I'd probably, um, I'd probably do what. Uh, why don't you suggested go off and what go off and do something less boring instead? I wouldn't have any interest in it. I, I genuinely wouldn't have any interest in it. Um, and and that's hard to say. I'd probably go and watch non-league. Um, because really, it couldn't get any further away from from the game that I fell in love with as a kid. Um, I, I, I I've got to be honest. I was I was I didn't embrace the Premier League. I dug out a few old fanzines a few weeks ago from you know back in the the very early nineties when I was doing the editorial, and you know I I I despised the idea of a Premier League. I really did. I didn't want change, but you know I've embraced it. I've enjoyed it when we've been in it, um, and you know. I did predict that the bubble would burst and I was wrong. I thought the bubble would burst eventually. I thought that there's no way in the world we can continue to pay these wages and no long no way no way that, you know, we'll have, you know, players going for a hundred million pounds. I'm well, with you on that. I'm with you on that. I thought exactly the same. How yeah. wrong was I? Yeah. And and you know, here we are still where where clubs are allowed to rack up millions and billions of pounds worth of debt, go into bankruptcy and <laughs> still survive at the very yes. top of the table. Yeah. I just don't yes. understand it. I don't understand I don't understand in this day and age where we've got, you know, millions of people homeless, how how a football player can take two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week home and bank it. Um, and that's yeah. not the football player's fault. I just don't understand it. It's um it's 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 ridiculous. There's no other word for it. And as a football fan, you know, people would maybe find that strange me saying that, but I, I just find it absolutely bizarre. I'll ask the um, same th question. That, that's where we're living. I'll ask the same question to, to Ted and Rye, because obviously, 
you know, you guys are fans, and so, so am I. I'm trying to be a bit neutral in this dis- this, this little mini yeah. discussion. Um, you know, you're That's fans new. of clubs desperate to get in, to climb that one step and get back into the Premier League. What would you What would you guys yeah. feel like if it was a Premier League that didn't have Arsenal, City, Liverpool, Newcastle, Tottenham? It's not the Premier League. It'd feel worthless, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's not the Premier yeah, League. It, exactly. It, I mean, the you would you, you the, the aim is in a in a four tier system of England. You've got the best teams at the top, and you've got the not so good teams at the bottom. I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but that's how it works. You've got everyone that wants to. If you win and have success, and you're a good football club. You'll end up playing in the Premier League. If you run your club poorly, you don't have good players, you don't fight for the badge, whatever it is, you'll probably end up in, t- in League Two. It's just how it works, all right? And it's, a, and it's a system that has been running for years and years, long before we were even here. Now, to say that you're going to now take the top Premier League teams out of that top league, then what ha- what what are we striving for? What are we what are we besting ourselves against? And and then do we just bounce those? You know, say we take five six teams out of the Premier League, do we just bounce five or six teams up from the Championship? That's what League One up as well, and League Two. You know what I mean? It's, you know what I mean? It's it's just it's 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 crazy. And then who gets that? Do you know what I mean? Is it just the teams that are performing at the moment? Is it the teams that can bring the big revenue? Because at the Premier League has then just lost. The, you know, the, think of the TV deals. Now, the TV deals would go a skyrocket down because the TV deals are there. I know it's probably harsh, but the TV deal, you know, that Sky or whatever want to pay, you know, BBC and everyone that comes in and pays the big money, they want it so that they can see the Man Uniteds, the Chelsea's, the Tottenham's, you know, the Liverpool's, the ones that are worldwide international loved clubs that they are going to pay big dollars to watch and sign up for and subscribe for, you know what I mean? That is millions and millions of dollars in, in their pocket. And if you take those clubs out of there, well, then the TV and the, the radios and all that aren't going to put in as much money, are they? Because they don't, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to see uh, the game on a Thursday or Friday night of, you know, Sheffield United versus Burnley. And I'm trying not to be disrespectful, but that, that's, you know what I mean? That, the, the TV rights love showing all those games, but it's complemented by, and you can see it when you have like the, you know, you have the Liverpool uh, you know, Man City game, like, and how many people viewed into that. And that's what people want to see. And you don't want, and if you take that out, then the league crumbles. And the, and not only does the league itself crumble for the teams, but the financial success of the Premier League and the backing of it goes away with it because they will go to the, the Super League as well. So you're not only taking away the clubs, you're taking away financial backing, you're taking away TV rights, you're taking away all this little stuff that people do. You know, you're taking away the podcasts and everything like that because people will then go to the Super League. They won't focus on the Premier League anymore uh, because some people, you know, will, will, will stay with the club. Some people won't. And you'll have this big division and it'll just be, it'll be ludicrous. It, it, it'd be, yeah, it'd be ludicrous. I agree with everything Rice just said, apart from the fact that I started laughing and had to pull away from the mic as he put Spurs in the Super League. Did you ever go to a house party in the 90s and there was a weird kid standing in the corner and everyone's looking going, who invited him? <laughs> I thought no I way. saw you, Ted. No way, Daniel. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was never, I was good as gold. No, I never Daniel Levy doesn't allow, no, no, allow Tottenham in that one. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I get it, yeah. I get it. Speaking it's of weird not, kids I in mean, the corner, right? <laughs> Go on. Go on. Yeah, can you imagine that though? I mean, I mean, Sunderland and 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 Middlesbrough. We what? We go up into a Premier League without you know we without saying Newcastle and 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 what not, can, what gets you into this Super League? It just becomes What's the rule behind the, the Super Championship. 
Is, is there no, is, is there not one part of you that would say good riddance to them because they've got multi-billionaire owners pumping enough resource into the clubs that we could never compete with them and you'd be glad to see the back of them? Is there no part of it? You know what? No, th- there, the, there is a part of me that says... Well, that's, that's the, the, the part of sorry, me that Ryan. says that. It, it, you would probably see an even, a more even league. You would probably see the likes of Leicester's and all that winning the Premier League, but it would be it'd be air quotes that you didn't really win it because it's not the Premier League. But you would probably, if you take those financial big boys out of it that continue to buy the best players in the world and continue to have the best success because they've bought the best players in the world, then you're probably going to see a much more even league. And maybe there is a bit of part of me that kind of wants that. But right now, I still think a Sheffield United can rock up to an Arsenal and beat them on their day if they have an off day. I still think you can see Newcastle, who have just obviously got, you know, got lots of money, rock up and beat Chelsea, who years ago with, you know, under the likes of, you know, with Didier Drogba and, and Jose Mourinho, wouldn't have gone close to a Chelsea. And you see this, you know, this sort of ups and downs of it sort of thing. So I still dream of being in the Premier League as a borough, going down to to Liverpool, to and playing at Anfield and knocking them off. You know what I mean? One of the best days we had, Dave, last season was in that FA Cup where Joshy Coburn, we knocked mm. out Spurs. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just, and it's one of those things that can still happen to this day and age. And you take them out of that, you lose that. You know what I mean? But you probably have a more even league because we're all as bad as each other. I mean, one of these teams could end up going down anyway with, you know, if, if they're found guilty of these financial fair play breaches, you could see Man City and, and Chelsea hypothetically they taken out of the Premier League. That I wonder how many the of their cat- fans would turn up then, Steve? Because honestly, yeah, exactly. that's that's the catalyst that yep. could maybe launch, the, launch this Super League because Man City could take the hoof, put the ball under their arm and, and then say, oh, right, we're off then. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's potentially what could happen. I mean, I, again, because it's so complex and it's unproven at the minute, we don't know what the situation yeah, yeah. is and we don't know what kind of sanctions FIFA would put in place. We don't know what kind and of yeah, sanctions. Yeah, that's the thing as well. Yeah, good point. It could be, yeah, it could I don't be, know world, what, it could yeah. be world sanctions, couldn't it? And, and then, then yeah. the Super League's completely yeah, out the window because yeah. you've, you've lost two of the biggest... Two of, two of the biggest teams who probably would have would have gone. So, yeah, go on, Dave. You were going to ask Ted something. And then you have a super super league supercomputer. That's it. Yeah, a Chinese machine. Um, I was going to ask a Ted. Super league. <laughs> uh, Steve's already said he wouldn't watch Newcastle if that happened. Would you watch any of the games, Ted? Uh, for me, nah. It's um, a European look, super league. I'll- not a chance. Nah, it, it, that that doesn't interest me. We've got the Champions League. Why do we need a Super League as well? It's just it's Egg the self same thing without the the sort of drama of the knockout phases and things like that. It's just it's just one long group stage, and for me that's that's a bit of a dirge. I I don't want those clubs to to, to leave a Super League. You know the the, the idea is that that Middlesbrough Sunderland were both targeting to get back into the Premier League. And like Rice said, you want to go and take these places on. You want to go and have away days at, at Old Trafford, at, at Anfield, and actually introduce some atmosphere. Because one of the great fallacies in life that Anfield has got a great, um, great atmosphere. It does for about the first five minutes, then it absolutely dies like a library. But there you go. Um, <laughs> just in my opinion. Uh, but I want those days, you know, a couple of, couple of years back now, but when we had Martin O'Neill in charge and Man City came to the stadium of light, they were absolutely battering us, but for some reason they couldn't find the back of the net. 
about the 93rd minute and Xi comes up, a, a Korean player who we've never seen since he disappeared into German football, pops up in the 93rd minute and scores the winner against Man City. You want those moments. You, you want those moments where yeah, you think agreed. we're going to get absolutely mullered by these big teams and then you just create that little shock and you go you go and pull off something like that. Yeah. That's, that's what the Premier League's yeah. built for. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it is the most exciting yeah. league in the and world. I've got a very that's, similar, that's why Burr and Sunderland are so dead. I've got a very similar recent memory, which was the year that the Borough were, uh, the, the Borough were rele- relegated, the only year they bounced up with Karanka and then went back down. Mm. My highlight of that season was being behind a goal when Martin Darun scored the equaliser for the Borough to draw 1-1 yeah. at City. It was it was a tremendous occasion. Exactly. I mean, the Borough fans around me went absolutely ballistic. Yeah, so that's 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 my abiding memory of that, that one season. And it was exactly that. It was taking something off City. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's Chouani goal against Sunderland. Woohoo! <laughs> Can't remember that. Uh, <laughs> mo- moving on. Benny's just saw Gobby Rye. Let's talk about Borough. <laughs> oh, well, let's give okay, a reminder. No, let's give a reminder about what the facts. We need a reminder about what the facts. Oh, yes, sorry. Yes. We'll, go, we'll go another clue. Yes. yes. Right. Let's have the reminder and clue number two then. Clue number one was this one-off feat happened over 10 days in 2013. Clue number two. To make it happen, Rafa was the gaffer and Fernando Torres scored. To make it happen, Rafa was the gaffer and Fernando Torres scored. Any shouts? You're going to give the WhatsApp number out, Dave. Any shouts? Uh, 0330-043-2002 if you want to WhatsApp your suggestion. If you think you've got it, Daniil, where are you when we need you? Uh, 0330-043-2002. That's the WhatsApp number to WhatsApp your suggestions through. Fellas? There we go. <laughs> Any closer? Any closer? i got nothing. No, I got nothing. No, not. Even the rapper thing nothing. didn't help me. Like, I'm, I'm too busy lighting me. I'm too busy yeah, lighting yeah. me candles and climbing into the bath with this music. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible thought! Whatever tickles you fancy. Every time it comes on, I feel like I'm walking. Like, I feel like I'm walking. Like, um, what you call them, Shaggy and Scooby Doo? Like, you know, when they're in a trance <laughs> towards. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, walking, walking towards like the villain because he's playing some creepy music. Yeah. And it's, it's actually called Daz Atmospheric <laughs> Piano Mystery. There you go. That's what it's called. Oh. I didn't realise he could play the piano that he's well. Even put his, he's even, yeah, he, he, he tinkles his ivories quite a lot. He, um, yeah, he's put his name on it. He's claimed it. But we're abusing it and we he don't care. To, he used to. Wow. You know that Daz used to be a triangle player in a reggae band. He used to stand at the back and ting. Hey. hey! Hey! Dad jokes, we love them. And his, his programme's absolutely full of them. <laughs> I've got to be careful now because I get accused of plagiarising his gags, don't I? Well, you do, yeah. You do. He'll be here soon. each other jokes. He'll be here soon. You've got, to, you've got to do something when you're tied to a radiator, though, Ted, to be fair. Wait, this is it. This is it. it, it helps the time. <laughs> to be honest, mate, uh, like I said before the show, it stops us from eating and my cholesterol going up any further, doesn't it? So, you know, being, being held captive does have its plus points, I suppose. But there you go. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to have some news or what? 
Yeah, well, since we completely obliterated the sports bulletin at half past, I think we better keep the news yeah, on time. Did. Yeah, and how much more time can you oh, get? Yeah. Being, can you can you be spot on time? Which it's eight o'clock right across the northeast right now. Hey, what are you doing after breakfast Monday to Friday? Why not join me, Daz, across the northeast for our mid-morning show full of expert analysis? This Sunderland squad is the youngest squad that the championship has ever seen. Top banter. I've been looking at trains many minutes, my fans. It's an hour and three minutes. That's all it takes to get yourselves up here and see some real football. And the quiz that is sweeping the nation. Name that theme. How many will you get? He's always on the scene. Fireman Sam. And his engine's bright and clean. Join me, Daz, right here every weekday morning from 9 till 11. Uh, you know, I love this panda because this is what the Red, the Cat and the Toon's all about. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill. Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red Batoon and the Cat. We've got to have a little bit of El Tell. Yeah, Absolutely little belt of this. This is. Uh, In his prime. If I could Quality. dream. Great man. Terry Venables. He had a bit of a crooning voice, like he was a good singer. Oh, awesome. he did. Here we go. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere. What a set of lungs on him. What a wow. set of lungs on him, Terry. People Vanables. should buy that. Wow. People should buy that and um, get, it, get it to number one for Christmas. Yeah, no. Yeah, we're number that. one. We'll, we'll, we'll have it as number two. <laughs> we're number one. He's still doing it. Like, I mean, they seem to have gone quiet on our Christmas song. What's going on? It, it, it had done. Oh, yeah. now, I've, I recorded I've a, it. Have you done yours? Have you? I did mine as yeah, well. Yeah, I've done mine. Yep. All yep. right. I need to finish mine tonight. Uh, Mrs. Ted's on night shift tonight, so I'll uh, I'll get into the spare room and I'll sing me little lungs out tonight. Then I'll do that. I must, yep. I've just about yeah, got rid I of the cough and the snot, so I should be able to do mine this week as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Absolutely love it. <laughs> anyway, well, do, Ted, do, do we, we were we talking to Australia uh, off air. Sorry. We're, yes. I mean, we're both we, we're both cut, frustrated men this morning. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, like if 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 you don't mind, I'll get my little bit out the way with Riker. So I haven't got a lot to say on Sunderland's <laughs> performance, if I'm honest with you. But mm. how's about this for a statistic, right? In our last three away games, we've had 62 shots and zero goals. However, only about nine or ten of them have actually been on target in three games. So for me. It's it, it's no longer a case of give these young lads time. Yes, keep them in the squad, let them develop. That that's that's important. They are shown promise, but the owners now got to splash the cash on a striker as well because that that kind of statistic is the difference between well between stuck, being stuck in the championship for another season or giving yourselves a chance through through the playoffs. Now that defeat, we've gone from being in the playoffs at the start of the day. We've now drifted out the ninth. I believe now, and Ryan, you know, obviously Burroughs seen a similar sort of thing. One defeat can absolutely, you know, demoralise you, I guess. But the, the the whole, it was just a frustrating game to watch from start to finish, to be honest. Um, the, yes, we'll, we'll come on to the strikers part of things, but the defending from Sunderland was, was shocking. I, I highlighted Whitaker before the game. that he, uh, Now, on Friday, I said... The danger man for them is going to be Whitaker. He can carry the ball as well as what Jack Clark can, and he's got a shot on him as well. Now, the first thing that we that. saw from Plymouth 
was Whitaker pick the ball up, drift inside like what we do with our <laughs> wingers, and all of the defence just backed off and backed off and backed off. It was just atrocious defending. Somebody needs to go out. If I can say that, I'm a novice, right? I'm not even a journalist, mm. right? If I can pick up the fact that Whitaker is their danger man and he's got a shot on him, as a defender, you've got, well, I've got to close him down. Not back off and back off. Yeah. I just don't understand what they what they were trying to achieve by that. And then the second goal was just Luke 9 as ever, being completely positionally inept. He is not a centre-back. Nice guy, yeah, great. If he's a nice guy, let him stay at home and play with his kids or be the mascot, right? Because he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's done as a centre-back. He shouldn't be playing in that position at all. He's a, look, he's, he's enthusiastic and all that, but then again, so's a boxer dog, but they're crap at football. It's, it, it's just, it's got to change. So, Mowbray's got to recognise, whether he's captain or not, he's got to be dropped from centre-back now. Because he can't jump, he, he gives away, you know, there, there was an altercation towards the end of the game where he's climbing all over the player. It could have been, in this environment with referees, it could have easily been a red card. And he's just, at, the, at this moment in time, Luke O'Neill is a liability for Sunderland. And he, he, he needs to be given a complete break from it. Jensen Seals, absolutely perfect to come in. He's a big strapping lad. He looks fairly comfortable on the ball as well. We need a proper defender in a proper defender's position. Either that or Triantis as well. Triantis did himself no disgrace the, the other week as well. But on nine, nah, sorry mate. I'm just not good enough for Sunderland. Not good enough for the championship level. He's a league one player at best oh. now. I wouldn't be surprised. I would like to have seen, and obviously looking from the outside in, I would have liked to have seen in that moment where you saw Pierre Equa getting taken off at halftime. Because let's be honest, I was talking to you off air. And in, in what I saw was Pierre Equa getting into the right position. He's one of the biggest lads on that pitch and he was getting into the box. Yep. And instead of turning and walking towards the goal, he would take the ball or he'd take the possession to the complete opposite side of where the goal was. He would, it was in the box and he'd run out to the right or he'd run out to the left. And obviously, Mogger was just, you know, had enough of him, subbed him at halftime. For me, that's the perfect opportunity then to move Lugo 9 into that Pierre Ekra role, which I think it was here where he grew up playing Wickham, yep. you know, in that midfield, that defensive midfield. And then you've got, uh, you got Silt to come in as the centre-back. That, for me, it was, was what I saw which should have happened. It didn't, uh, but I completely agree that I think, you know, if you, like Middlesbrough, want a chance of, of being in the playoffs and that, we need to fix our defence. And it starts for you guys with moving 09 into that Pierre Equa role, giving Equa a little bit of a chance to come off the bench, whatever it is, and then playing Seal Tour, uh, Triantis in that centre-back role because you're absolutely right. It's 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 not working. Yeah, it's, it's competition for places. That You're absolutely right in what you're saying. Now, the, the substitution that was made was was Aushish came on in uh, for Equa, who's a much more sort of a direct attacking midfielder. And to be honest... Aushish had an all right game. Uh, you know, he was he was close to getting on the score sheet himself. He creates more um, going forward. He just looks a lot more potent. Um, in terms of Mayenda, very very heavy first touch on, on one chance that he had. He put it in the side net, and when maybe he could have squared it, uh, but at least he's shown some will and trying to get on the score sheet. But that's that's the worry now is we've got to go out and, and we've got to go and buy. I'm going to put it in inverted commas using me, you know, me, me air fingers again here, right? That we need a proven goal scorer. Now, 
we, you could argue that we let one go in Ross Stewart, but to be honest, he's made a mashed potato and socks, and you just don't know when his next major injury is going to be. <laughs> you know, he, he, he could get out of bed and do his ACL. He's, he's, he's that you know femmer, mm. I guess, to, 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 to use a very posh word. Um, so we're going to have to spend some decent money on a striker in January. Otherwise, you know, kiss any chance of being in the playoffs goodbye unless we do that. Sure because the, the rest of the team... I th- so, go on then, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, should we have a listen to Mogger? Oh, yeah, please, yeah. Well, we obviously fell a bit short. I think um, I think in a game with lots and lots of domination, uh, lots and lots of shots, lots of chances, we didn't stick the ball in the net. And, um, you know, we 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 um, we suffered because, you know, of their few chances, they bent a couple of really good strikes outside the box into the into the corners. And um, and we ultimately came away with nothing in a, in a game where... We uh, we felt as if we should be coming here and winning, and, um, and I thought the performance was dominant enough, but just lacked the clinical aspects of, of what we need to do to put the ball in the net. That's what Ted's just said. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's 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 <laughs> nailed it. Um, it's yeah, yeah. The, the clinical side. But you know, if you go away to places like that, at least keep a clean sheet. Yes, we, we the, the the problems with the strikers is well documented. We know we need to sign a striker. But don't give away soft goals when when you you should be going out to meet somebody like that Whitaker. It, it's it's a no-brainer. It, it's simple defending. I would have been absolutely. We've had Gaz on the show, as you know, who was my old Sunday League manager. If I hadn't gone out to meet that and actually try and block a shot, I would have been getting ratified after the game as we were trying to tuck into our our carvery. You know, it, it's it's just schoolboy defending. You keep a clean sheet first, then yes, absolutely give ourselves a chance and, and be more clinical. I, I, I feel like Jack Clark even wasn't at the races in, in his play. Uh, looked great going forward, wriggles through and all that sort of thing. But I don't know, these like sort of lazy passes that, that rolled in towards the penalty spot. It was behind players. There was only once it actually found anyone, and that was uh, Job Bellingham. And to be honest, Job just looks tired. He's a young kid and he needs a rest as well. I, I, I think there's got to be some changes for Wednesday night. I would expect to see Joe Breasted, Aushish come in. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see if Equa was dropped as well. Um, it's thankfully, you know, we've got an opportunity to turn it round very, very quickly. Um, but yeah, come January, mate, the, I'm afraid Mr. Dreyfus is going to have to open the wallet and prove that he is a billionaire. Apart from that, it was great. <laughs> Ladies and Loved gentlemen, well, well, welcome to the TED show. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I just did a rye on you. <laughs> no, was, look, it, 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 let's let's put it to bed. And, and Wednesday just has to be a lot better. And in terms of shooting on goal, take the take the risk. And you know, it's all right. Sixty-two shots in the last three away games, no goals. Seriously, it's it's not rocket science. I'm sure we can hit the target from you know, instead of trying to walk it into the net, which is the the big problem at the minute. There you go. Should we do a few news headlines and then get on to Borough and Newcastle? Do it. Do Absolutely. it. Doing it. Doing it. And what the fact? And what the fact? Oh yeah, we. Oh yeah. Should we uh, just before we do the news headlines? Should we? Uh, should we have a dabble just to see if? Um, Daniil's right. Go on then, let's have it. So the two questions were, it's a one-off feat, 
It happened across 10 days. What, in 2013? Yep. Is that the first one? Yep. And the yep. second point is, uh, in order for it to happen... Uh, Rafa was the gaffer. Rafa was the gaffer and Fernando Torres scored. Uh, yes. And Daniel Ingetted says, the fact is, Chelsea won the Europa League. Is not a hundred percent correct. Oh, mm. okay, okay. That is a fact, but it's Ooh, not the fact we're looking for, Daniel. Oh, Daniel, Daniel, can I have a guess? Can I have a guess? Yeah. Is it the is it the fact that he was the tenth player to Fernando Torres this is to score on his birthday? No, but I do like that one. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Do you want another clue? Go on then, throw us another clue, then we'll get into headlines. Okay, okay. What started in Munich ended in Amsterdam. That's what started in Munich ended in Amsterdam. And it's not a good stag do. <laughs> I'm out. Oh, it would be a good stag do, that. <coughs> Right. I'm a it's Bur not Mario Bros. I'm a Borough fan. We're talking European action here, so it's alien to me. <laughs> apart from our wonderful apart from our wonderful two year stint before we get some slagging from the Sunderland <laughs> contingency. Um, I've only ever read about it. Yay. All right, there well there you go. Um so what started in Munich ended in Amsterdam is your third clue. Come on, Daniel. Yes. You're gonna have to be a bit more precise. Uh, with your uh, answering than that. Okay, He's let's... along the right lines. He's yeah. along the right lines. Okay, uh, yeah. then. All right, then. No problem. Uh, let's do a bit of this, then. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Injury-stricken Newcastle United defied the odds again at the weekend as they hit Chelsea for four at St James's Park. Goals from Alexander Izak, Jamal Lascelles, Anthony Gordon and Joe Linton saw the Magpies climb up to sixth in the Premier League table. Co-owner Mirda Grusi called for more support in the stadium from fans in a bizarre post-match tweet. The tweet that reached 2 million people was greeted with a mixed reaction from Toon fans around the world. Fans travelling to France today for the PSG Champions League match on Tuesday night had travel plans thrown into chaos last night with a Eurostar strike announced. People are advised not to travel by Eurostar and fans are advised to contact their booking agent for a refund or to rearrange. Good luck with that. And finally, Newcastle United under-18s failed to progress in the Premier League Cup, losing 5-1 at Liverpool with Bryant grabbing the consolation goal. That's your Newcastle United headlines this Monday morning. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Middlesbrough boss Michael Carrick is demanding his players find more consistency after the bad result against Bristol City. Middlesbrough had held the league leaders Leicester to a 1-0 win to then, albeit after an international break, find themselves losing 3-2. The result wasn't the only thing for CERN as well. Engel limped off with what looked like a bad knee injury after falling awkwardly late in the second half. But, as I said, lucky for the Borough, the turnaround in the championship is always a quick one, and Borough will have a midweek game at home to Preston to try and shape a defence into something worthy of promotion. And last week's international break was also another opportunity for Nottingham Forest to send scouts to watch young Hayden Hackney. Hayden, who recently switched allegiance from Scotland to England, has been attracting more and more attention with his constant performance for both Borough and the England under-21s. Now, like earlier in the season, it seems Forest are keen to ramp up their interest going into the jam January transfer window. And just finally, tributes have flooded in from the northeast following the news that retired football and former Middlesbrough head coach Terry Venables has passed away at the age of 80. The Dagenham 
Payone player rose to the global stage in the 60s and 70s before managing his career. His managing career began in 1976, which led him to be joint Middlesbrough head coach with Brian Robson for the 2000 and 2001 season. El Tell, as he was commonly referred to, will be greatly missed not only in the Northeast, but across the nation for his charismatic and tactically innovative English football brain, which ended up resulting in leading his national team to the European Championship semi-finals in 96, after also winning trophies at club level with Barcelona and Tottenham, and also helping Australia grow as a footballing nation in a stint as their manager in 1997. Rest in peace, El Tell. You were one of the greats. That is your Borough Headlines. Mackhams and Proud, Black Cats News. Speaking to the press right after Saturday's defeat at Plymouth, Tony Mowbray said his side need to be more ruthless in front of goal. He said, we work with strikers every day. I think they had two shots on target and scored both of them. I was a bit disappointed with the first half that we didn't get the intensity that we should have. You have to put the ball in the net. It didn't happen for us. We hit the post a couple of times, didn't make the keeper work enough, but we got in lots of amazing positions in the box, just didn't find the space or the pass or the combination. I'm trying not to be harsh on them, but it is frustrating. The fans made a long trip to come here today and we have to find a way to put the ball in the net. They are young players, but they are footballers. They have to be more ruthless. They have to understand that we are all being judged. There was a familiar face in the Plymouth lineup as former Sunderland Academy player Bally Mumba started for the hosts. The 22-year-old almost added a third goal for Plymouth in the second half, but was given a good reception from the Sunderland fans as he walked off. Mumba even went over to the away end to chat with some of the Black Cats supporters after the game. Mumba wasn't the only ex-Sunderland player in Plymouth squad, as former Black Cats loanee Brendan Galloway came off the bench for the hosts in the 88th minute. The 27-year-old who was on loan in Sunderland and during the dismal 2017-18 campaign was making his first appearance of the season after returning from injury. And finally, despite the weekend's miserable defeat, the Black Cats will be able to rely on the unwavering support of the Stadium of Light Faithful when they return to Wearside with a home game against Huddersfield Town on Wednesday night. May not come as much of a surprise that Sunderland have the largest average attendance in the Championship this season. On average, according to the website Transfer Market, 42,344 have attended the Stadium of Life for home matches this season. Imagine what it would be like if we actually had a little bit of success. And that's your Monday morning headlines for Sunderland. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the Reds, the Cat and the Ten. Hmm, do we go to Borough next? Oh, you've got to, oh, yeah. Of course. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, the pain. Well, Middlesbrough fans, we had a bit of a shock on the weekend and what's been, and I'm not going to harp on it too much, uh, the boys have told me I talk too much and I just don't feel like it today. I'm upset. I want to talk about how we can make a good wreath for your front door and that'll be in the later. I will talk to you about why cinnamon works as a Christmas ornament. Anyway, uh, the big issue from the weekend was our defence and it's been asked questions once again. Now, we heard Ted just earlier ramping on about Sunderland and how bad they have been in the conceding some soft goals. Now they have conceded 19 goals and Ted's ramping on about his defense, right? Middlesbrough have conceded 26 goals now and we average 2.1 per away match. Now, just to put you there in perspective for those that don't like stats, right? The next best team, not best team, the next worst team to average over 2.2 uh, goals in an away match is Sheffield Wednesday. Okay. So that's how bad our defense is going. 
Now, we backed it up the week before, right, in the win against Leicester. We kept a clean sheet. We Everyone did their job. And, oh, my goodness, hang on a second. You know, we're keeping clean sheets. But we keep leaking goals. And these goals, even though in these wins that we had and we've had a good run, we keep seeing our defense fail. And on the weekend, it was more evident of that. Dale Fry had a reasonably one of the worst games I've seen. He didn't put his body on the line. Instead of when... And we got asked the question here, Borough fans, because when he got that kick to the head, if you remember that late last, in middle of last season, he got kicked in the eye. Ever since then, and he wore that face mask, he does not want to put his body in the way of the ball and the player. He'll stick his, he'll flick his leg up at it. And I'm so sick of seeing Dale Fry stick his foot up at it and not put his body in between the ball and the player. Because if he does that, they don't score two of those goals on the weekend. Now, we also had it compacted with Engel coming off with what looks like a bad knee injury, who had just looking like he was finding some good form in that left back. But for me, the questions of us now push into January of us getting some defensive backups. We need a right back because Van, Vandenberg will be at 19 and has got a bright future. Is not our is not our serious right back. Dale Fry needs a bit of a break for me and Matt Clark needs to come in if he's fit and ready. He was Brighton's uh, player of the season for two seasons in a running before he came to us. He hasn't played because of his back injury. Whether he's fit or not, we need Matt Clark out there. Paddy McNair did enough to stay on that pitch. I know we're running out of options if without him. And then obviously you're going to have to have Bangura now in that uh, that other left-back role because if Engel's out for however long, who knows. Our defense is the most scariest thing that I have seen uh, come out of this weekend. I don't mind that we got back in the goals. We've got goals in us. We know that Sam Greenwood, Matt Crooks, all that you know, are going to look. Latte Lath didn't work as a starting striker either. you got to go back to that Josh Coburn. Now Middlesbrough fans that we've been calling for it, we can see that Latte Lath comes on better in the when the defense is tired, not from the start. He just gets overshadowed, outrun, and it just he just looked, you know, he just went missing. Now, again, that was also a lot to, uh, you know, to us not feeding him correctly. I agree with that. And also exactly what Ted said, we need players that are willing to get in front of these blimmin' worldies that these teams keep scoring against us. If a player throws himself in front of that shot, if he throws himself at the Bristol player, uh, the West Brom boy, Gardner Hickman, in, if he, if Dale Fry, if you have a look at the replay, just have a look at the replay and please, you know, don't slate me. And I know you, some of you will, but Dale Fry turns away from it. He doesn't turn into it. If he puts his body in the line, the ball hits Dale Fry's head. Yes, it's going to hurt Dale, but you stop a goal. And then and it's just, it's the de defense is just scary, scary, scary for me. And that is going to be Middlesbrough's biggest issue going forward. If we want to be in the playoffs, if we want to be a promotion-worthy team, we need to fix our defense in the here and now. Senny Dieng is a great goalkeeper, right? We do not need him having to go against those worldies every single game. Right, we're seeing it time and time again, and then it's not a question of, oh my goodness, why are we the team that gets scored worldies against? It's why are our defenders not stopping the boys getting into positions that can shoot from that far out? It's nine, you know, five times out of ten, you know, there's players that are good enough in the championship that are going to score those. All right, so we just need to put our bodies on the line. We have a quick turnaround. We forgive. We forget. We move on to Preston at home, where, our, funny enough, our defensive record is a lot better than our away record. But if we want to be serious about promotion this season, whether it's a rebuild because we bought 10 players and we got all those other players out, we need to look at defensive signings in January. If we don't, we're in some trouble. Yep. That's it. I agree with that. Um, I can't <laughs> say anymore. I, I mean, just, Do you have a listen? I, I can't. Do you have a listen I can't. To I, 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 
Yes, please. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he spoke at length uh, on uh, on Borough Live. So, I mean, in respect, he was for as not frustrated ripping, as I was, which is good all, to hear. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in respect of not ripping off all their content, um, if you want to watch it in full, get onto Borough Live. This is what he had to say at the end of the game. Bitterly disappointed to lose the game, obviously, um, especially when we got ourselves largely in the first half. Thought we were in control a lot, um, wasn't really a lot going on around our goal at all and, and we controlled things, crazy few minutes really where we kind of um, lost control and a um, couple, of, couple of kind of situations and then you find yourself 2-0 down at half time from nowhere. We faced something similar last year really here and uh, we spoke about that quickly at half time and the boys responded, came in, back into the game, we was kind of looking at it thinking there's only, there's only one winner really, a lot of positive second half and they didn't really get in our half and then the one corner they get in, in around our box and score from it and um, you know you say we deserve more from the game we we, um, we, we, we expect more from the game and, and the way it went we should have yep so um, obviously a, dis- a disappointed Michael Carrick um and disappointed a bunch of fans, isn't it? Because it's asking. another long yeah, I mean, journey. Yeah. I mean, we did the long yeah. journey oh, to Plymouth 3-3, another journey to Bristol and got beat 3-2 yeah yeah even in that excellent like we still just leave goals to journey. yeah for Sunderland yeah exactly yeah I mean that was the longest way you can go in, the, in that weekend yeah. to see that you know Sunderland rock up the way they did but for the borough especially it's just the goals that we keep seeming to leak I just think we just need to I don't think we've got enough focus up front with Sam Greenwood and the likes and when Riley gets back and Marcus Force we're going to be fine for goals but we keep shooting ourselves in the foot by letting goals in. We can't keep having to come back from two to three goals down, right? When Which we keep doing. And, and for, for Plymouth, for example, where we drew three all, Exeter we beat three two. We just need to stop the rot in the defence and we will be okay. If we do that, we have got the forward line that can take us to wherever we need to go trust. We just do not have the defensive capabilities at the moment. Lenahan now injured. Tommy Smith now out injured. Engel potentially now with Dunny's knee. It's, it is the, the injuries that are hurting us are those in the defensive line. My answer to it is the big, big bald eagle in Matty Clark. Get him on that pitch. Get him playing some game time and see what he can do because he is our only option at the moment to stop the rock. Yeah, definitely a marathon, not a sprint, as I keep saying on this show about Sunderland and uh, Middlesbrough season. But, you know, bad, bad weekend for you guys. I've got to be honest, I did feel for you a little bit. It was, you know, it looked as if Borough were going to pull off the, the great escape as well. Looked like we they were did, gonna, yeah. Looked as if they were going to come back into it. But, I've got to agree but, with but, but, Michael Carrick. Uh, you know, when you, once you pull a game back to 2-2, having been 2-0 down... <laughs> You just think yeah. there's only going to be one winner. You're just going to go through and take the points at that point yeah. at that stage. Yeah. But yeah. complacency, yeah. that though, isn't it? It's complacency. Yes. It's the team switched it off. Is. The team switched. The team switched off after they got back. They'd done the hard work. They needed to keep on, keep on going. It's, it's what Eddie Howe's team do well. They don't give in, and that was the, that. That's the remit of, of, of how from from top to bottom in in the first team. But clearly through the the twenty threes down to the 18s and beyond you see now that even the youngsters who came on are running their hearts out they're running they're running themselves into the ground and that kind of ethos that kind of work rate we'll call it Eddie Howe fitness is is what is is what is putting Newcastle in good stead look at the look at the month um or so that Newcastle have had and then take a look at the players that they've had out 
and you honestly Eddie Howe Eddie Howe struggles to win Premier Premier League manager of the season uh, but he's doing it again this season he is creating mm-hmm. he is creating something out of nothing again and with the exception of those games against Dortmund um, if we go back to when this injury crisis this injury crisis came around the Dortmund game so we lost against Dortmund 1-0 we then went away to Wolves where everyone predicted Newcastle were going to come a crop out we drew 2-2 we then played Manchester United with, with a back line including Kraft, who hadn't played, Dummett, who hadn't played, Lascelles, Debravka. I mean, it was, you know, people were saying, and, and Lewis Hall and Tino Livramento were playing as well, who hadn't had much game time. We win 3 0. We then take on Arsenal at home. We beat them 1 0. We go away to Dortmund, who did us again, the first team that's done us home and away for, for, for quite a while now. We lose at Bournemouth. Um, we look jaded and tired, and then we we run out four one winners against Chelsea, and and that that with uh, you know without your players like Callum Wilson, Alexander Isak, with hasn't played a, a vast majority of those games, no Sven Botman who's your your stalwart in the, in the back four, um, you know Elliot Anderson who was tipped for greatness this season, you know out of the equation, Joe Linton missing for some of those games, Bruno serving a suspension amongst that uh, that game, Almiron missing, Willock missing, uh, you know yeah one of your Top players banned, Tonali um, and Harvey Barnes still still on the missing list. I mean, ultimately, you've got a, a 1-11 to that would start most games sitting on the bench. And yet Newcastle have managed to get results out of nothing. And that's where it, that's the difference between Newcastle, Middlesbrough and Sunderland this year. It's that kind of work rate. And if you can get players working to that kind of ethos and, and to, the, to, to the level where anyone who comes in knows their job, knows what they're doing and knows how to play... It, it just bodes well for the future for Newcastle. Borough and Sunderland need to watch Newcastle take a leaf out of Eddie Howe's book and, and try and get their get their teams to do that. But you know, the, Borough and Sunderland have both been hit with, with, with issues over the course of the last you know twelve months as well. Players players going out, you know, instability if you like, you know, um, players that should have stayed have gone, uh, players who should have gone have stayed, uh, few injuries. You know, money not being spent, money not being spent in the right positions and places. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, you know, we've been there and done it many times, Newcastle. Um, but it, it's not over. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And this Christmas period for Sunderland and Middlesbrough could see things change dramatically again. So I wouldn't get too down. You put that result behind you, and like Ted said before, you know, you you get you're getting back on the horse quite quickly. You know, you can put that result behind you with with a decent performance midweek. Yeah. Hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. I think I think the key word you said there, Steve, is about complacency. And um, in a strange way, now hear me out on this. Um, in a strange way, this injury crisis at Newcastle has actually helped you in a way because there's no complacency there whatsoever. Yeah. It's 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 introduced this thing where there's this sort of siege mentality where you're down to the bare bones and everybody just has to perform. There's there's no like sort of nobody can afford to have an off day. And, and that mentality is kind of like has dragged you through some pretty big games. Chelsea, on the other hand, when, as soon as they got that equaliser, mind you, what a great free kick from Raheem Sterling. Brilliant. It was a beauty. But yeah. th- there was almost this air of complacency crept in with them straight away. And, and that, I mean, that, that's personified by that, I don't know whether it was a back pass, I don't know what Thiago Silva was trying to do. Um, but there was just like sort of this this laziness and sort of affability of like sort of oh well we've got this now we're back in the game, but showed nothing of the guile or sort of like sort of will to win. And to be fair, as as much as I hate saying it, Newcastle thoroughly deserved that win. 
Yeah. And yeah, yeah. On, yeah, Chelsea were. If, if for nothing yeah, more than, than the fact yeah. that Newcastle are never yeah. complacent and Chelsea were. Yeah, Chelsea were, were off in the want to win that game for sure. I mean, the, the, the only team that wanted to win that game was Newcastle and that was evidence in Thierry Silva there. Uh, as for the borough, I'm, look, I'm not doom and gloom. It's just, it's it, I, I get that it's a long season. I, you know, we've been following the borough for a long time. It's not my first rodeo. I get, I understand, you know, where we're coming from. I think we're still going to do it our way. We're still going to do it the Carrick way. We're building a team. We've got a lot of youngsters. We're going into that method of building from our, from our uh, reserves, building from our young academy. And I really like that. But we just need to look at the defensive capabilities because the stats and the writings on the wall now that we are leaking too many goals, especially, especially away from home. What it is, I don't know, obviously the crowd's not there backing us up, being that 12th man, whatever it may be. But we just need to have a look at our defensive capabilities and whether the pairings we've got, when we've got different pairing abilities uh, on the bench to try and change it up a little bit because we just need to do that for me. Uh, and we do that. We've got, we rotate the squad a little bit because Carrick is a man of consistency in terms of his selections. He's also a man of consistency in making substitutions after the 75th minute. I am all for the way Carrick plays the game. I am all for the way Carrick is going to manage our team. I think he is an absolute genius. One of the best managers we've ever had. He's got a bright, bright future as a manager, but we just need to see him dip into that squad rotation. Now of your Matt Clarks and have a look at different, you know, different people in different positions because what we saw on the weekend, right, wasn't, is, and it's not just this weekend. What we've seen over the past few games now is Middlesbrough have a very bad leaky defence and whether we need to start looking at putting hands on chests and saying, look, my fault, I'll get better, whether it needs to be down to the coaching staff saying we need to focus here on defensive, whether it needs to be a focus on the midfield boys getting back and helping out more terms of Housens and Hackneys rather than focusing on how well we're getting forward and then turning around and helping out. It's up to them. I trust that Barrow will get it right. I know it is all a big learning curve. Carrick's first time in charge of his club, first time managing, you know, obviously he had that little stint at Man United. This is the first time that it is his reins, his reins to pull. He will pull them. I guarantee it. We'll be right coming home on the, on you know, midweek. We just, I just want to see us concede less. That's all I want to see. I saw it at Leicester. I saw the potential that is there that can happen. I just pray that we can find that consistency to do that performance week in, week out. But I love this team. I'm not going anywhere. We will be up there roundabouts because we're just too good of a club to not be up there in roundabouts. So trust the process. Ugly game. We put it behind us. We move forward. We'll do it the borough way, not that Toon way, which is a bit weird and a bit black and white. Not that Sunderland way, which is a little <laughs> bit catty way and Jack Clark's and that. We'll do it the borough way through the iron that built what, their just bridges. Just completely miserably right, feel at Easter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> khaki. Right. right. So, khaki yeah, no, that's, that's it. Khaki that's wear. all I got. Yeah, khaki wear. Brilliant. Uh, I love the use of the English language <laughs> this morning. It's been fantastic. Fellas, we've, um, we've completely ignored the spot again, so we can't let this one slip. Tell oh. you what, we'll, uh, we'll do a bit of sports news and then we'll be back. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stony Gate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane. Steve, Ted, and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast. The red, the tune, and the cat. I think we've been a bit deflated this morning. Two thirds of us, even near three quarters of us, slightly deflated this morning. <laughs> so, not the usual banter, uh, happiness. 
and rivalry coming through. But one thing that will glue us together is what the fact F-A-C-T yeah, F-O-C-T. <laughs> I can't even say that. You, you had to be so careful there, didn't you? <laughs> I, got to, I, got, I got to that point where I thought, am I about to put my foot in it? Uh, right, let's be absolutely sure. Yeah, thanks, Ted. That's yeah. your head like you're counting like this. I thought I was going to get it wrong. I thought I was going to get it wrong. He did. Anyway, give us your three. Go on, give us your three. Give us a reminder. Right, so the first clue was this one-off feat happened over ten days in 2013. The second clue was to make it happen, Rafa was the gaffer and Fernando Torres scored. The third clue was what started in Munich ended in Amsterdam. What started in Munich ended in Amsterdam. And Dave, I believe uh, you are the latest challenger. I am. I am. Uh, my name's Dave. Um, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, Great, what's your answer, Dave? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, do, I think, I think Daniil helped me here. He steered me on the right path because Daniil, uh, his guess was... Sorry, his uh, well-reasoned um, fact was Chelsea won the Europa League, and you said, "Well, not exactly it, but it, you know, it had that had to happen for for, for this fact to take place." So I think, correct. I think Chelsea's victory on that occasion made them the first English club to win all three European competitions. Is not the right answer. Oh! I honestly thought you had it. I honestly thought you had it. It is not the I'm right answer. Shocked which and means stunned. Wow. Because that which was, means I'm down to the last clue. Because that was the first time <laughs> an English club I'm had so won all three, right now. three UEFA competitions at the time. Oh well there you go. Alright. I'm unbearably no, smug. Right give us four, give us four, give us number four then. The fourth and final clue. Winning the first trophy was a first, but so was winning the second. Winning the first trophy was a first, but so was winning the second. God, I was so confident that was right. All right. Really good this, Ted. I've got no oh, idea. Got, that is a very good one. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, Wow, yeah. wow, 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 wow. We've got, we've got I'm, I'm Daz going with Mario Balotelli final answer. Yeah. <laughs> Daz is going to come in and say Mario oh. Balotelli. Oh, he will do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Or a dad joke. It'll be, it'll be a great answer. Great or, answer. Or it'll be, oh, stop using my music. Yeah, well, there could be that as well. <laughs> yeah, could be that. I'm sure he doesn't own it. I'm sure he's not the, uh, the, the talented <laughs> penis. Yes. He knows what that's so <laughs> difficult to see on radio. <laughs> Do us a favour, mate. Do us a favour. Don't Jeez. spell it out. Don't. Yes. Spell it out. We are walking the line. We are walking the line this morning. I love Dear it. me. Yeah. Oh, honestly, my heart just Could went through my chest there. Please. I'm a quivering wreck. Use it in a sentence. My goodness. Come anyway, on. Home, Teddy boy. Uh, we've got about we've got about eleven minutes to go. Can we can we at least have some good night? East news. Can we focus on Newcastle for a second? So we've got Eddie Howe lined up as well, courtesy of uh, nufc.co.uk. Uh, should, should we have Eddie How's first that? and then, then we'll How's get Steve's reaction to it? 
Should we? Should we? Is that is that yeah, how you want to start? Yeah, let's hear Eddie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Edward. Cue Edward. Yeah, brilliant response from the players today. That was um, it was a really tough build up to the game because a lot of players away, very very small group to train, but the lads responded really well and um, the lads that came back from internationals I thought performed really well today and there was a real uh, energy in always with our team I think a really good character about the performance I thought we deserved to win and can't compliment the players enough yep. there you go so uh, he was a rather rather happy chappy as you would expect yeah definitely and, and yeah good right to be I mean you know we're getting to the situation now where you know the bar staff from Shearer's or supporters out the crowd are probably going to have to take their boots because the, the injury crisis is getting to such a uh, you know a ridiculous state of affairs now and as a player comes back in Isaac we'll have a player go out in Willock so you know I've got to be honest going up to the ground you know, I, I, I was um and R and I think I predicted two one win for Newcastle on Friday. By the time by the time I got onto my own podcast on and UFC Matters on Friday night, I was I was here hearing talk of Gordon being injured and thinking, Oh well, you know, I'd settle for a draw. So to to come away with three points in a four one win, um, you know, at the start of what is, you know, probably gonna be the busiest 32 32 day period over Christmas we've ever had in our recent history um, was just fantastic and you know it, it started off well he's got the first goal of course and um, you know he is just so cool calm and collected when when he gets you know gets in those positions Lewis Miley with a wonderful through ball he could have had a shot it would have been you know he would have been forgiven to have a dig at that age trying to get his first goal in the Premier League but he used his brain used his vision slotted the ball through to Isaac who put the ball in the back of the net and um you know, looked as if he'd never been away. But then, for me, you know, Newcastle pegged back with a wonderful free kick. Ted mentioned it earlier. Raheem Sterling, um, you know, uh, stroking the ball, you know, past uh, Pope. Didn't have a chance with it, really. Per precision and perfection, really, from Sterling. Um, and then Newcastle... <sighs> Joe Linton should have done better with a header. Um, I think it would have been chalked off for VAR yeah. anyway because Bruno pulled Sanchez's shirt in the build-up. Uh, Trippier hit the bar with a wonderful free kick, um, trying to get his, his team ahead again. But it was that 92nd period, um, just around the hour mark, which saw Newcastle, you know, steal the points from from Chelsea, win, you know, with, with two great goals. Uh, Gordon uh, with another assist um, for for Lascelles. What he was doing that far up the pitch, I'll, I'll never know, but. Um, you know, wonderful, wonderful headed goal. Showed Joe Linton, you know, how to do it. Um, and then Joe Linton, uh, 30, you know, almost, well, almost a minute later, um, almost in anger as well, I think, for probably missing the chance earlier, blasted the ball in, into the back of the net. Um, you know, it would have took the, it would have took the net off if it hadn't been fastened um, with, with a great goal. And that was it, game over. Uh, we, saw, we saw a red card. Rhys James got sent off with a second yellow. Uh, very petulant uh, behaviour. Could have been avoided that, I think, had... The referee got a grip of the game earlier on. He didn't really, he didn't really book the Chelsea players. Um, you know, in, in the first half, he waited till the second half, and I think a lot of that could have been avoided if he'd just been a bit stronger in the first half. And then, player of the season so far, we'll keep mentioning him, Anthony Gordon. Uh, another wonderful finish. Um, you know, to to, to make it four one, and I don't think four one. Um, I, I think four one was a fair reflection on the game. I think Newcastle could have could have had more. Uh, we've already mentioned the Joe Linton chance. Um, you know, which which he should have had in the back of the net, but four one, I think, was a, a fair result. And you know, for, for Newcastle. Castle, um, you know, it was it was a great start, as I say, to this this busy period coming up. Man of the match, um, well, you could pick you could pick one 
one of th- uh, any one of four uh, for me. I thought Tino Livramento um, and Kieran Trippier were outstanding. You expected from Trippier, Tino Livramento looks like he's been at left back all his life. Bearing in mind we bought him as a right back, but he he was out- absolutely outstanding. Uh, Lewis Miley, I've already mentioned him, was superb. But if I was pushed and I had to give a man of the match to to one person, it would be Bruno. Um, he was superb. Uh, everything he did was was you know was was on point. Um, you know he he kept his his emotions in check and you know he was he was superb. I, I just you know I I couldn't speak more highly of him. And ultimately for me, um, you know where will we be when it comes to Boxing Day? Like I said, at the, you know at the start of my review there, I, I I genuinely feel it's getting to the point where it's going to be you know people from Shearer's Bar, um, you know making up the bench. That's how bad it is. Three goalkeepers on the bench and and a whole host of youngsters with with Willock and Longstaff both joining the walk and wounded. Um, but you know look, it's we take it game by game. We've got PSG Tuesday out of the frying pan into the fire, and then we've got Manchester United next weekend. It's a hell of a week if new Castle can come back from PSG with a point or dare say a, th- or dare say a three um, that sets us up lovely for, for Manchester United next week and Manchester United still the only team in the Premier League that Newcastle have never finished above well you know it's neck and neck at the minute but we could give ourselves some breathing space by beating them next week and a lot of people saying what's the most important game PSG or Manchester United they're both important because you know if Newcastle can go to PSG and get a result and who say they can't we're beating them 4-1 already this season they've got injury issues as well um, if Newcastle can go out there and get a result then the season is much is much alive and tongue-in-cheek lads the quadruple's still on at this moment in time <laughs> <laughs> of course it is I thought the fans were a bit Steve, quiet so- though Steve I'll tell you who I think needs singling out for a little bit of praise and I've done this before with them as well Steve as Lascelles it just continues to to, to, you know plucked from obscurity really in terms of like the squad depth and all that kind of thing he's coming he's he's, you know he's he's grabbing goals now as well you know he's, he's he's absolutely doing himself every bit of justice to maybe earn a contract extension or at least maybe a, a decent move uh, when the time comes it's amazing to see somebody like Jamal Asells, you know, rise from like a phoenix rising from the ashes. He's 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 yeah. re- resurrected his career, and um, you know that's what Eddie Howe's done. Not just to him, but he's done it to you know to, to so many players over the course of the last couple of years. You know, Joe Linton, um, Miguel Miron, um, Matt Ritchie, still you know running around like a you know like a youngster um, at, at times. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, it's it's what Eddie Howe's done to the club is remarkable and um, again he's just cracking on he doesn't take any of the praise himself he just likes to crack on and and, and, and do the job and you know he, we'll pat ourselves on the back you know when we're careers over he's that, that's his mantra yeah. but um, but yeah look it's it's great it's been a it's been a good weekend for us not so good for you boys but we've had a we've had a good weekend but as I say the games are coming thick and thick and fast now and um, you know we'll be turning our attentions to Champions League tomorrow you know what I need to do now though Steve go on I need to I need to stop predicting one nil wins for Newcastle because obviously you know they were getting beat every time <laughs> I was doing did. that. So you I need did. to find a new. I need to experiment with my system now. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I've said uh, yeah it's crazy. I said Chelsea would win this. Newcastle come back and win four one. And I said it the other week as well. Was it against? I think it was it was PSG. I'm like nah PSG are gonna win. They end up beating them for you know smashing them. So. You just need me to predict the other team and then you end up winning like four or five nil. It's incredible. So uh, this weekend, Newcastle are going to win six nil against PSG and PSG. So there you go. 
So Newcastle will absolutely destroy PSG. Mbappe will uh, get red carded in the first 10 minutes and Newcastle will win 8 nil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Am I in a parallel universe here? I, I, I think so. I, 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 for once, I'm actually speechless. Have we had any more guesses? Have we had any more guesses? Because no we guesses. are running out of time for no a... Guesses. We're gonna no guesses. No more. We're going to have to give the answer. Oh, Get in. Absolutely brilliant. So, oh, well, let's let's have the, the piano music one more time. Daz's piano music. By the way, he's late. He's just texted me to say, traffic's terrible. I'll try and get there for nine. I hope so, Leave mate. Earlier. That's when your show starts. <laughs> <laughs> so, today's What the Fact. The, uh, the first clue was, this one-off feat happened over ten days in 2013. The second clue was, to make it happen, Rafa was the gaffer and Fernando Torres scored. The third clue was, what started in Munich ended in Amsterdam. And your final clue was, winning the first trophy was a first, but so was winning the second. You want your answer? Go on. Chelsea are the only team to be holders of the Europa League and the Champions League at the same time. Oh, I knew that one. <laughs> no, I did, I did, I did. Because I read that last week. Because when you when you unveiled what's the fact? What the fact? Yes. F A C T. When you when you did, I, I, I did a bit. I thought I was going to throw it back at you the following day, so I did a bit. And I came across that Chelsea, the only team to hold the two together at the same time. Yeah, that's oh, true. So I didn't in, think. In 2012, the wow. Blues won their first ever Champions League. Obviously, yeah. the following season, with Rafa Benitez yeah. in charge, the club won the Europa League final on May the 15th. Yeah. Given that the Champions League final was due on May the 25th, for 10 days only, Chelsea held both titles. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well done. And then lost to Newcastle 4-1. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or how the mighty have fallen. Uh, yeah, I mean, win an argument, 10 years uh, later, whatever, you know what I mean? You know, they go to Newcastle and get smacked 4-1. And you got Potch and saying... They'll, and they'll get relegated how, how because much, of... Uh, how much was their bench worth against February. Steve? Uh, our bench what was, was worth fifteen what's million. Bench? And their bench, their bench yeah. was worth two hundred and thirty million. Damn Can we have some of it, please? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How mad is that? Like, How I'll, mad? Is I'll that? accept handouts. Oh, yeah. I'll accept handouts. I don't mind. Oh yeah, my god! Wow, wow, wow. You know what I mean? like, Fellas, he's here. He's Good morning, gentlemen. He's made it. He's made it. He's made it. Oh, he's made it. Good well done, lad. I'm sorry well I'm a little done. bit late. I've been uh, tickling the ivories. No, you're fine, mate. <laughs> Ted was happy to take over the morning show. He's been looking for your job for a while, so just watch him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's irreplaceable. Indeed. He's irreplaceable. Is that what he <laughs> All right, fellas, we're done and dusted. We're going to go out with a Christmas song and a Excellent. Christmas belter. You might not like it, but you do, and you've had a few beers, I'm telling you. Good stuff. Been a good morning, lads. Good show. Fantastic Monday, See lads. Tomorrow, See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Have a good one. And here's Shaking Stevens. Oh. Merry Christmas, oh, everyone. God. <laughs> oh, wow. Brilliant. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> See you, boys. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. Snow is falling. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast.
with Rye, Steve and Ted. Right across the north. 